The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. My name is David Breer, and I'm here today with Jeremy Burge. Jeremy is the founder of Emojipedia, which is a collection of information and insights around emojis. Emojis have been one of the, probably the hottest topics that have changed really how we communicate going forwards. Um, and personally, it's one of the things that I probably use on a daily basis, probably too much if anybody's out there that I communicate with. So sorry in advance, but this is probably going to get worse. So Jeremy, thank you very much for, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I have to say, of all the interviews that we've done recently, you know, with CEOs of banks and whatnot, this is the one that I've been really looking forward to, to do because, like, again, it's one of the things that I use so frequent. So thank you very much for making the time. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Indeed. So first thing, and obviously we probably should ask this, given that I'm a sample size of one and I feel you're completely accountable of, of this, when are we going to get the guy with the shaved head and the beard emoji? <laughs> because clearly that's holding back my communications. That would be amazing for you, right? There's a beard on the draft list for this year. Boldness, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> we'll see, maybe next year. Well, you know, I live in hope, which is good. So maybe if we start for our audience, we start with a bit of a, a sort of a definition. So obviously there's sort of emoticons and emojis and stickers and, you know, the plain old GIF. What's the sort of difference between these things? I mean, most people use it sort of interchangeably, really. Emoticon, normally people refer to as sort of the text emoticon, the colon and the, the bracket. Uh, Emoji technically, in Japan it just means it's a picture letter, a picture amongst different letters, but really it just means that it's something we can insert into text in a color image that works on any app, any platform, and, and that makes it different than stickers which only work on one platform at a time. I can't just send you a sticker from over email, or I can't put a, a sticker in the email subject or in my calendar, you know, whereas emojis you can put them anywhere that text is supported. Great. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a catch-all that people use emojis for. But like you say, it's amazing the sort of diversity that comes within that. And it's really sort of big business now as well, isn't it? So it was, was it 2015 that the Oxford English Dictionary said that an emoji was the word of the year? I think it was the, was it the crying laughing one, yeah, I believe? Yeah, the face with tears of joy. Indeed. And you were recently on BBC News talking about emoji. So clearly a huge business going forwards, right? I mean, the, the funny thing about emoji is there's no... No one owns it, so by by default, I sometimes stand in as a sort of emoji spokesperson because Unicode are there standardizing it and different companies, people often think of an emoji, they often think of Apple's ones, potentially. 
but Apple's not going to be out there saying, oh, here's our new poo emoji, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everybody, cares. everyone uses them and people want to know more. So BBC, any media, that's where I often spend a lot of my days now. Awesome. And Emojipedia, tell us a little bit more about that. So it started off as a directory of here's every emoji, here's the official name, every, every emoji has an official name, and a little bit about maybe where it came from, especially the Japanese ones people find pretty weird. But now a lot of the reason people use it, it has what it looks like on every platform. So one emoji might look different on an iPhone or an Android phone. So it's really a, we're aiming to make it a canonical resource where you can find out anything about which emojis there are and which ones are coming up. It's interesting, the, the point around translation. There are real subtle differences in some instances, aren't they? And actually, the, the translation, if you're sending something from a, you know, an Apple device to a Samsung device in terms of what you intend somebody to see and what they see. I know I've been caught out a few times in Slack, you know, what I thought it would be and what it turned out to be. But um, yeah, it's, that, that translation is interesting, right? I mean, especially the human ones. We're so when you look at someone's face, you sort of you really notice if they're smiling or if they're fake smiling. So an emoji where the, the pixels are slightly different, you really go, oh, that's a different emotion. And you mentioned Samsung, that the eye roll emoji, I don't know whether you've seen what so, sort of looks like an eye roll on an I, iPhone. I've been sent that a lot. I know what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> but on a Samsung phone, it looks really happy for some reason, that it it's not, doesn't look like a disdainful look. So that's a, a, a genuinely a big gap where I've seen people say, look, my girlfriend nearly broke up with me <laughs> because I sent this one sort of saying, oh, what's for dinner? And I was, thought it was a happy sideward glance. And at the other end, it came through as, oh, what's for dinner? Wow. Relationships <laughs> broken over, over uh, emoji usage. It's, it's an interesting. Yeah. And, and you are part of the consortium that actually gets together to discuss this. So the Unicode consortium. So what is it? And tell us a little bit more about who's involved. So Unicode has a background where really they're there to make sure the text works from one country to another. Uh, back in the 90s, if I wrote you a letter and you were in Japan on a Japanese computer, it wouldn't necessarily look right. Uh, so Unicode have been around doing the real trudge work for years, making sure text works. But because emojis are treated as text, they come under Unicode's um, authority to, wow. to approve new ones. So those meetings have just got far more interesting right now. <laughs> so, so much more interesting. Well, I wasn't involved in Unicode before they started getting involved in emoji, but absolutely now it's, it's only one committee. There's the Unicode emoji subcommittee, which I'm on. They've still got all their other committees dealing with every other language in the world, but I think we're on the most fun committee anyway. Yeah, and who's part of that? It's, uh, it's Apple, it's Google, it's Microsoft, it's sort of, I mean, especially the emoji side of it, it's anyone that has an interest in emoji. It's Twitter, that all these companies, they need a seat at the table, right? If they don't want an emoji to exist or if they do want one, they need to speak on behalf of their users to say, hey, our users really want emojis to be more representative or our users want this particular emoji a, a dumpling because they're in an Asian country and it's not covered. So that's what they bring. Yeah, well, and definitely we've seen that recently, haven't we? We've seen, you know, emojis were quite limited to start with in terms of their, their usage. There was what, 40 or 50 to start with in terms of what went out about there. 200 to begin with. Wow, yeah. but how many are there now? It's about 2,200 or so. Wow, because we, we've seen real wholesale changes in, I guess how, you know, uh, women are portrayed through emojis, which you get into real sort of interesting diversity conversations, don't you? I mean, the real issue, as you say, with women, that there was an issue when Apple first drew a lot of their images, they based it off this one Japanese carrier that 
for whatever reason, they made sort of the guys with jobs that were men and the people getting their hair cut or getting massages were women. The, I guess the issue is always going to be that there's only one of each at the time. So let's say you switch it. Is that necessarily better? In the end, Unicode and therefore Apple and Google went with, I guess, the most complete option. Just have one of everything. Have a woman and a man doing everything. So now you've got the woman and the man doing this. You've got the woman and the man police officer or running. And I don't know if there is another answer, really. If you pick and choose, you're always going to be wrong somewhere. So that's why we've got 2,000. So we've got a skin tone for everyone. There's a gender for everyone. Uh, some of this year, there's inclusive genders being looked at as well, because now there's male and female. But if you don't strongly identify as one or the other, you're also forced to pick. So yeah. the, the answer has so far been just add more. Yeah. Well, it, it made sense having just everybody having, you know, Simpsons-esque yellow skin to start with. But now, like you say, you've got kind of full range of skin tones to self-select into when, you, when you're using it. Yeah. I mean, the, what happened before the yellow ones is a lot of them were actually genuinely white years ago. That They're in default yellow now, but a lot of them, the baby and the man and the woman, they were actually Caucasian. And I guess we could have just made it yellow. That was definitely, and, and not bother with the skin tones at all. Uh, that would have been one option, but there's also, you find a lot of people with darker skin tones don't find yellow representative either. That if you have a family full of yellow people, they just think, oh, that's basically white. Like this doesn't represent my family. Yeah. So again, more options, everyone's got a choice. And there's always new options coming through, right? So uh, what is it like 60-ish new emojis that are gonna be accepted? Yeah, it's about 60 to 70 a year, roughly. There's no hard and fast rule. Uh, the draft list for this year, it's a couple of hundred, but if you chuck out the skin tones and the gender, the draft is about 70 or so. And what's the sort of favorite? Obviously the, the guy with the shaved head and a beard is the favorite <laughs> coming through, but, but what, what's in the, the, the list there that really sort of stands out for you? That stands out for me. I mean, there's a swearing face. It's got sort of a box <laughs> over the mouth. That sounds like it's gonna get a lot of usage. Yeah? Uh, what else is there? There's also, there is the guy with the beard, but he might be bald. It doesn't say what his hairstyle looks like. Again, I live in hope, yeah. Um, there's a woman with a headscarf or a hijab. Uh, there's also there's one with stars on the eyes and a new sort of one I'm looking forward to is this one with the monocle. It used to exist on some platforms or it was just wearing a monocle. It's sort of a posh. Sounds like a fancy mo oh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. But I've seen different mock-ups for that and some of them smile and some of them kind of have a pout and it changes, changes the meaning again. Indeed. I noticed that there's a, a, a couple of dinosaur ones in there, right? Like, as somebody who works in banking a lot, that's going to come in really, really <laughs> handy for conveying a point in terms of, you know, where people might be stuck or not. Type we thing. got proposals. We had one proposal for a dinosaur emoji, and there were people very upset that said, uh, you can't have a dinosaur emoji because it's like having an animal emoji. Like, it means nothing. In the, There's so many animals, and how would you pick one? And then there was another proposal for 24 dinosaurs. And in the end, we've got two on the draft list. Because, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got to draw the line somewhere. Some yeah. people feel like you should include everything. And others think, oh, what's the easiest thing we can do? But we've yeah. got a T-Rex and a sauropod, which is sort of a, a long neck dinosaur. Nice. That T-Rex is definitely getting a, a lot of usage from my perspective. But I guess that, that point is is really true though like how where do you stop with this because i guess a uh, you know a point of just basic usability basic usage is findability so you know uh, everybody has that four by four grid or an eight by eight grid of the ones that they use most frequently. And I was having quite a lot of fun last night really discovering what in the team of uh, 11FS most people use, which there was it was very telling, I have to say, in terms of what people's uh, main one that we're using. But, you know, where do you stop? Yeah, I mean, there, 
I guess we don't know the answer really so far the the low pick the low-hanging fruit gets picked every year and sort of the most requested and the most emitted ones uh, but yeah there's a real question it's there's a user interface challenge there's a practical challenge does anyone care if you had a million does that mean anything anymore does each one mean anything individually so I think there are there is a limit somewhere, but I don't think we know where it is. So we, we, we keep progressing and we'll see. What about, what about you then? What's, your, what's the one you use most frequently? Oh, I like the monkey with the, the, the cheeky monkey with the hands over the, the face. I find uh, the monkeys are a bit more expressive than the yellow smileys. So that one's quite fun. At, especially if you're making a, a, a mean joke in particular that you maybe you chicken out at the last minute that it's funnier without it. But you don't want to risk that person genuinely being offended. So being able to sort of give the, drive something home, but then put the cheeky monkey at the end is, is quite helpful. And do you see, um, you know, brands using that sort of mechanic? Because like you say, you can, you know, you can back yourselves, particularly in something like Twitter, shall we say, where you've got 140 characters, you can actually convey so much emotion or so much cheekiness uh, off the back of quite a, you know, a specific statement with a, you know, a, a yeah. monkey emoji. Um, so, you know, how are you seeing brands kind of really embrace this? Yeah, brands are right on board. They especially, there's the practical concern, email subjects and tweets have a, a limit to how much you can fit in. And no matter, no matter what you say, it jumps out at you a bit more. If there's an emoji in there, even if the message could be the worst, it could be the worst use of emoji, but it still grabs your attention a little. So brands, you know, they want to be our friends and it works well for some brands that genuinely are sort of a bit cool yeah. and it doesn't work for other brands. I know uh, when Hillary Clinton last year said uh, her campaign team seems seems uh, trite now given what else is going on, but when her campaign team put out a uh, describe how you feel about your student debt in three emojis, you get some of those cringeworthy, you know, attempts at trying to be up with the kids, which kind of fall flat. Well, yeah, if it's, um, you know, too, too forced, it can definitely sort of, uh, you know, feel a, a little bit like, like you say, trying to get down with the kids to a certain degree, can't it? Yeah, I mean, I can see the temptation and I think a lot of brands use it pretty well, to be honest, that it's, it's fun, it's quick, it, it conveys more than you can otherwise convey. But yeah, there's always a risk of if you have a very staid or wooden brand trying to dive in there like anything just doesn't really work. And I guess one brand who's sort of been in the news recently for, for using them, for a slightly different reason is, is Facebook. You know, Facebook have obviously broadened what they uh, allow people to do to react to what other individuals are doing. So as opposed to just the, the uptick, now you've got, is it five different options in terms yeah, of what you've you got? You've got you the do? like, the love, there's an upset one, which Angry, is quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sad face, right? Yeah, there was going to be, a, what was there going to be? There was going to be another one that they that they thought they'd put in there, but uh, they seemed to drop it at the last. Yeah, the, well, they were, I think they're looking at introducing uh, a downward tick, aren't they? Yeah. But they, I think they removed that one at one point. Well, they've but always talked about they don't want to make it a negative place, and it is hard if one of the reactions... Imagine if everything you post on Facebook, if everyone's just thumbs down yeah. it, are you going to keep posting things? Well, you're going to need some new friends, I think that's the thing. Yeah. Or so. that too, yeah, yeah. But, but I guess the, the thing that they are doing is allowing people to almost like self-select into like a mental state, right? You know, very easily, I guess, Facebook can get a kind of a, a sentiment view of tens of millions of people across their network of really, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they angry? And, and actually, not only how they are, but how the people who perceive them within their network react to them. So to your point, if you know, the, 
sad guy who's always posting cat pictures is only getting negativity from his friends, then Facebook arguably could build a understanding of the, the hierarchy within social networks, right? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've actually said recently that if you vote for something with a heart instead of a like, that must be more important to users. So they'll spread that to more of your friends. And whereas if you like it, they go, no, we'll distribute it a bit more. So they're already right on board with that. That a love heart means straight to the top and a like means, yeah, give it a little bump. You know, you, you need more, twice as many likes, I think, to get as much exposure as one love. Wow. It's interesting now. I think I might be a little bit more sort of, you know, selective on who I give those hearts to now, you yeah. know, just in case. So, <laughs> You know, you don't want it to be like a, you know, a, a gimme more content, you know that. Right. Yeah. You got to watch what you do. If you accidentally start, you, you thought you were giving a generous love heart because you thought, oh, well, that's nice. You're just going to get a, a wave of that nonstop now. This sentiment analysis is really helpful that Facebook can jump on there and they know what you think as long as you're being honest, that is. One of the things in, um, I guess, within fintech and, and, and banking that's becoming a little bit more sort of prevalent is things like instant messaging, things like chatbot interfaces. I guess it's going to be really interesting when we start seeing you know, bots using emojis to actually interact with, with humans, you know, trying to convey human-like warmth, but doing it when it's a completely automated interface. That's going to be quite like, at what point do we start getting the machines rocking up to the Unicode conferences and actually sort of, uh, you know, talking about what they'd like to convey in terms of emotions? That's going to be very interesting, isn't it? I mean, yeah, chat interfaces are perfect for emoji that I know the Quartz news app is very good at using that. They'll often put an emoji there as like the read more prompt. I guess the real question is, can we tag them all appropriately to always get the right answer? The bots could definitely use emojis if there was a an understanding of what they each mean, but they're so nuanced that someone needs to be there implying the meaning to say that, yes, this one is a smile, but it's not a very good smile. It's the, the pathetic little smile that doesn't really convey happiness. So I think you've got to be very careful whoever puts them in to make sure that you're actually getting the right sentiment that you want. And do you know what? That's a really good point. I think I use them way more efficiently in think something like Slack, where there's an index, mm. than I do when I'm doing it on my iPhone. You know, there's, uh, I guess, the, to your point, the, the meaning of them is in the intent of the user rather than necessarily how you receive it, isn't it? So I imagine there must have been a lot of uh, miscommunication, shall we say, with, uh, you know, various different things, people sending them thinking they meant one thing and, uh, you know, it turns out they mean another. Yeah, I mean, any of the ones that look different, there's the one of the more popular ones is the, the hugging emoji that looks nothing like a hug. It's one that looks like jazz hands. I just <laughs> thought that was jazz hands. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And that's how I use it too. It looks like an excited face. Well, it, and it's interesting, like the high five one looks like uh, uh, praying to a certain degree in terms of doing it. Until you know what that is, I just thought I had really religious friends for quite a long time, but uh, hey. That one meant to be please or thank you in Japan, not a high five or praying. Exactly. <laughs> so use it however you, how, however you want to use it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what Unicode would say is that it's about what it looks like, sure. that maybe this is the intention, maybe this is why it was originally encoded, but... If it looks like this, you can use it for praying. You can use it for please or thank you. You can use it to mean whatever you want that gesture to mean because gestures, we like to think of them as universal, but they're not really. Indeed. And there's been actually some, you know, the usually the text can give you the inference of what people are looking for. Mm. But there's been some really interesting um, projects of people solely using emojis, right? We've seen people translate, was it Moby Dick? Yeah, Emoji Dick. So yeah, they, they translated that. the entirety of Moby Dick into emojis, right? Mm. That must have been, I, like, I, 
I'm going to go and find that. That might sound like it's an amazing experience to to consume that, you know? What's fun, though, is if you didn't know the story, it would be indecipherable. <laughs> that emojis are great for context and they're fun for things like this sort of a novelty act or if you guess the movie based on this emoji or here's Moby Dick written in emojis, but... If you had never read that book and I asked you to read it and come away and tell me what it was about, I think there's 0% chance that you could tell me what it actually meant. So there's, there's clear boundaries as to how useful emoji can be in this sort of long form sense anyway. So garnish to text rather than the, uh, the sort of main meal themselves then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Context, bit of flavor, bit of spice on the end. Okay, sounds good. So, so you work out of London, so you're in the Google campus here in London. Yes. Um, what brings you to, I guess, doing this out of London rather than, uh, you know, obviously in, in the States, you know, emojis are huge. Out in China, emojis are huge. So what means you're doing this out of the UK? I mean, honestly, because it's where I already am for the most part, but realistically, the UK is a great time zone for world news that we sort of wake up and if we're publishing anything, London's perfect to get a nice little sleep in and then you get something to put out there and then the east coast of the US wakes up and then the west coast. Even though emoji is so universal, we've got a very English speaking audience because right now at least the site is only in English. So it's a pretty good time zone to be sort of near Europe and then across the US and then Australia gets the short end of the stick where they get all your content in the morning. Indeed. Well, at least they've got lots of good things to wake up to in the morning, right? They get, they get all the good content. But honestly, it's also quite helpful being in a place where everybody is. You know, there's that. I don't think you realize until you're in a place like that. When I lived in Australia, I didn't notice. I didn't feel far from everything. But when you're amongst it all, you feel a definite, a different vibe if you're physically in San Francisco or in London that, you know, you do meet people down the street that actually do work at major tech companies. And it, it's helpful. It's, it's really nice to, to be there. So, uh, you know, you've been, I guess, super busy starting up Emojipedia and what's what's happening. And like say, you're covering sort of multiple time zones. Like, how do you stay on top of all that with all of the changes and the, how people are using them and like new channels that these are, things are popping up, like your Apple Watch and my Apple Watch, yeah. uh, which now I finally have somebody to send these emojis to. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> my wife stopped me doing it, but now I'll send them to you. The animated ones, you can make his frown go up and, and down. Sounds good. So, yeah. but like, how do you stay on top of all of that? Honestly, uh, I go for the do it now approach, which doesn't scale infinitely that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of just getting things done quickly. If something comes up and if I can do it, I'll just do it today. I put things in my future calendar nonstop where future me will see next week. You know, you wake up and you go, oh, okay. That's what I said I'd do last week. But yeah, honestly, I, there's a scalability factor to this and, and a certain at some stage you just need to either give up a responsibility or I'll find or find another way to manage it because I didn't have the answers. Half my friends that do time tracking and spend their life trying to manage these things oh, it looks looks painful to me. I love that. The idea of just just get it done. That that uh, totally works for me. Yeah. The amount of times that I say future me will work that out, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it really is a, uh, a you know, I keep pushing it further and further out, but yeah. we'll we'll work it out at some yeah, point, yeah. I'm sure. And we we always sort of like to end with uh, with this one in terms of what we what we're doing. So, what's the sort of one rule that you live by in terms of your your day-to-day -day existence? Day-to-day, -day, I guess I'd go for a bit of short-term pain, long-term gain, just like spend the time that it takes to set something up, whatever it is, if I'm going to a new company to do something. Part of the reason I like sort of digital banking and this sort of thing, I'm very, I always think that I'm going to be somewhere else. I always think like, rather than go, I'll just get a local bank and I'll deal with it later. I'll try and shop around for something, even if it doesn't affect me 
day to day. So it's always trying to get more done now for to save me later. Nice. No gain without the pain, right? I guess so. Perfect. So Jeremy, thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. So. Um, so that's it. We've uh, a very different topic for, for this week, but definitely something that affects everyday communication. And that really is what banking has to be. It has to be an everyday thing. So thank you very much for, for joining us. That was FinTech Insider interviews. Thanks.